You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Digital Noise returns. Hello, I'm Digital Noise. No, wait, I'm not. I'm not Digital Noise. Wait, I are thought, you Digital Noise? I thought we were Digital Noise. Wait, are you? The show is Chris Cox, Wright Sulak, and right. Digital Noise is us. So I'm Digital and you're Noise. I like that. Yeah. I'm I'm loud. Yeah. yeah. I, I could be Noise. And I'm all ones and zeros. I Yes, you are. You're very <laughs> binary, unfortunately. Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that. I have no idea. <laughs> like oh, after 300 and I don't even know how many of these we have 300 and uh, some 50, 60 episodes or something. Uh, I'm running out of new ways to introduce the show. So I was going to uh, recommend is like, Hey, maybe I should open it up one time and to, just to give you a break for a second. Cause it'll be different. Sure. Okay. I don't know. Let's try that. Okay. All right, okay. All right, we're going to start again. Start again. Welcome back to Digital Noise. Only oh, come on, <laughs> come on! No, I was sorry. I was, was on a goddamn roll. It was an autonomic re- re- reaction. I of course, I can hold it back. I can do this. All you right? are digital piece of shit, Cox. Whatever your name is. <laughs> sorry, now. I was. It was a one. <sighs> well, you're my zero. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, try it again. Try it again. Go ahead. Okay. Welcome back to Digital Noise with only the Digital Noise boys, Chris Cross Cox, and of course, Sir Duke Lord Wright Sulek, coming over through the airwaves this December. I'm just trying to think of other things to say as I go on, but I'm I'm fine with that. I'm sorry, I passed out for a minute. What? <laughs> This December, I love that that's the only month because I guess it's so fucking hot in Texas. Like yeah. December sounds nice right about now. I mean, it really does. It does, right? A nice 72 degree weather. Yeah. The yeah. way that I did that made everyone cool. Well, I mean. Oh, I was pretty cool when I said it. I mean, you are pretty cool. I know, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do the show with you. Oh. I wouldn't do it if you weren't, weren't cool. Oh, that's good. Of course, my. So my, what's John's excuse? <laughs> my interpretation of cool is suspect. <laughs> As years of doing podcasts has shown. <laughs> your your description of cool is more of just like, well, who is available? Who's willing, Who's to, willing do this? to do this? The next host of Digital Noise after Wright and John will be just some homeless guy <laughs> that is working for bread. Sure, I'll watch Samurai. Uh, Wolf, one and two. One and two. Why not? I I got nothing else to do right now. Oh, what a way to lead us right into the actual show. Transitions. Where we uh, talk about home releases. And the first home release we're talking about is, in fact, Samurai Wolf one and two. Now, hold on. 
don't tune out. I know you're like, oh god, you guys do so many weird little Asian films, and sometimes they're really boring. Are you talking to me or the audience? Because I did. I mean, uh, (laughs) I well, but mm, these are good. These are good. These are good. I really enjoyed the shit out. They were different. Uh, In fact, you know the one I was showing you for your next show that was like this may be the best Yakuza film I've ever seen. Oh yeah, same director. No shit. Yeah. Okay, I I dig this guy. I I like the approach that these movies had because uh, they were definitely quirkier, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily about the samurai. One hundred percent. So director is uh, Hideo Hideo Gosha, longtime Japanese director who makes very bloody movies, but is you know when you want classy samurai, you think Kurosawa. You right. want bloody samurai, you think of Gosha. It made a bunch of like samurai and yakuza films that are just brutal. Huh. And these are really they almost have more in common with Spaghetti West than they do with other Japanese samurai. A hundred percent with this one, for sure. Yeah. Or uh, these two. But, you know, I mean, like, the lead guy, I mean, he's a samurai, but, okay, he's a ronin, really. Right, yeah. A, a better title. Uh, and this guy named Kiba, played by an actor named Ferocious Wolf. What? Yeah, that's what it says here. No, his name is Isio uh, Natsuyaga. Well, maybe he's known as Ferocious Wolf. That's know. his character's name. Is it? No, it says a man named Kiba. Yeah, no, but he's also known as Ferocious Wolf. Okay, well, shut up. Anyway. Samurai Wolf? You mean to think... You th- Wait, hold on one second. No, okay, we're stopping the show. Wait a minute. You think... Yeah. You thought that... The the director is like, oh wait, luckily we got a guy <laughs> whose name is who's Ferocious Wolf. wolf. Maybe like, that's tra- weird. Maybe it translates to Ferocious Wolf. It doesn't. How it's do just you know? name do is speak Japanese. Isio Natsuyagi. Okay. Well, anyway, it's uh, on the fucking Blu-ray. He's kind of an asshole. He's going through a little village, uh, totally poor. He finds a group of samurai who are killing messengers of the sent out from the shogun. Um, and he, of course, takes care of that situation because despite being a Ronin, he still doesn't like to see the little guys getting picked on. Yeah, and he's 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 ultimately always a good guy. Yeah, he makes know. the right decisions, even if he does it like, oh, God. Begrudgingly. Like, like, it sounds like Nick Nolte in my, oh, God, God damn it. Jesus. I like to call me Ferocious Wolf. Uh, and uh, he comes to this little town. He meets the blind owner of the town named Cheese who runs a Pony Express type station for the Shogun, which is where these guys were sent out from. And Wait, aren't they, yes, uh, yeah. transferring gold? Yeah, well, that's the thing, is that, like, there's another outpost owner who's wealthier who wants to put her out of business and take yeah. over this outpost and is willing to do whatever it takes to do it. Plus, there's a huge gold train coming through, and she was like, I want to make sure that this gets through, otherwise we're going to lose this post. A lot of sure. gold in this episode. So he get, ends up uh, getting involved and uh, dealing with that situation and the beautiful widow and all that, and it's super fun, and it is, like I said, it is very spaghetti westernish. The lead actor, uh, Ferocious Wolf, is... <laughs> Sorry, I'm sticking with it. I'm going to stick with it. Just I'm, like he did. Yeah. Fuck uh, his real name. He said, you know what? I'm going to actually ca- take this character's name. He's really likable, you know, like very charismatic actor. Like, you know, yeah. he, he reminded me a little bit like, remember what was the movie that we watched a, a couple of episodes ago where it's the two dummies that uh, get with this one uh, Kung Fu master that ends up being the bad guy. I remember what you're talking about. I just can't remember the name. I forget the name of the movie, but like uh, the, the charisma that those two characters had, but he, but he's at least capable and not too much of an idiot. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is what this is. And it's he's really great and fun in it. And all the other characters are really cool, too. Uh, the second film, Samurai Wolf 2, Hellcut, is same main character. Yeah. Like, wandering around again, getting involved in a situation. It's a lot darker. It's not as funny as the first one. No. In fact, it has some pretty freaking dark shit that happens in the third act, for sure. Stuff yeah. Stuff you don't see coming, but it ends up, like... 
a woman who's like mentally challenged being assaulted by by three guys and of mm-hmm. course he steps in and kills the dudes rescues her uh but like all this is going on and then there's a thing with like a prison prisoner who looks like his dad, even though his dad's been dead for years and he knows consciously yeah. it's not his dad, but he, he still he, feels... like he encounters a, a group of people that are transferring prisoners yeah. in like little uh, wicker uh, cages. And uh, two of them are, I guess, lovers, but he, the, the other guy is like a badass samurai as well. Yeah. And, uh, and he is a piece of shit. Uh, and he's part of a clan that found a hidden gold mine. And there's all these people trying to get to the gold mine. There's a lot of different plot threads going on here that all weirdly combine. I like, totally don't remember that co- part. Co- coincidental relationships between people. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like the guy's this is actually the daughter, the mentally challenged, the, the father, the mentally challenged. Right. A lot of stuff like that. It gets really dark. It's not as good as the first one but it's still pretty damn good i liked the third act uh a lot because it just it goes places oh yeah and uh like it characters starting to die and it's like oh shit uh okay we're going here and, mm-hmm. and but the the saving grace through all of this is uh ferocious wolf um his his again charisma and his character is just really fun to watch in these types of movies yeah. and uh and it's uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say it's about good. it. It's the the action is really good. Yeah, uh, it's not stilted at all. No, um, it's and it breaks out quite a bit throughout these. There's very little slow p- periods in these things. Yeah, they're they're funny and and bloody and. Uh, I think yeah. it's the first one uh, where he has that great fight scene between the guy. I, I just love this movement where they're like always ready to because uh, they're sword fighting. Yeah, uh, and they're just like running up and down like the. Uh, the street yeah like ready to fucking kill each other it's like wow this they is this thing facing each other where they're running with their hand on their sword yeah yeah on the hill and yeah. they're just like, like oh we're gonna fuck do this and are uh you ready are you ready are you ready yeah no, are you ready it's like they're playing a game of like red light yellow or red light green light <laughs> and uh just like what the fuck is it going on <laughs> uh but it's good i yeah. like them these are if you like at all samurai films these are really really solid like entries into the genre that are well worth your time totally you know? even if you're like i if you're someone who's like, I, you know, I feel like I should like more of these, but I find a lot of them kind of boring and slow moving. This is not that. Why are you looking at this me? This is more like, I, because you're my co-host. Oh. Uh, if you're more like, I like Sergio Leone movies and I wish Samurai <laughs> movies were more like that, here you go. Yeah. This is for you. Yeah. I think these are good entries. Uh, this is the brand new 2K restorations of both films. There's a Hideo Gosha, the director of Featurette. Uh, there's an audio commentary by the co-author of book These Fists Break Bricks and a 20-page booklet uh, with uh, film criticism about the movie. So yeah. And and it comes with a birth certificate of uh, Ferocious Wolf, whose name... It does oh, not. shit. Its name is... Okay, okay. Oh, shit. Moving on. Oh, shit. That's his fucking name. Moving on to it. I would feel embarrassed. I do feel a little embarrassed. (laughs) It was the fault of the review I was reading of it to get my plot description. If you only had something literally physically right in front of you. You've got a death grip on it, okay? And I'm going to give it to you now. Uh, Next one, even though it sounds like a Japanese film, is not. It's called Kamikaze. This is a 1986 film that was... It was the second film that Luc Besson had a big part of. He was not the director. He just uh, wrote it. But he did write it. And he was it, one of the three writers, I believe. Uh, yes. Uh, but apparently he was the main one. And he also was like worked on it to other different degrees because it's a very low budget movie. Didier Grosset was the uh, directorial debut for here. He was an assistant director on the previously made Luc Besson's directed Subway, which is fantastic. I haven't watched that. One of the best of the later French New Wave films. It's like crazy action sci-fi cool stuff. Cool. With uh, Christopher Lambert Mm. from Highlander. 
I know who he is. Oh, sorry. You mean you mean Christopher Lambert from uh, a little Fortress? film called Fortress? <laughs> I love Fortress. I love Fortress. Sorry. That I know a, it's not good. Oh, no, it's a I trash movie. I don't care. It's but good. I remember watching it as a kid because there's I think there's like nudity at one port, like part of it. And it's towards the beginning. It's like, sweet, got out of the way. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever finished the movie. <laughs> <laughs> now to get that one scene in Time Cop. But uh, Michelle Galabru, who is one of those actors, if you watched a lot of uh, films from like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you've seen him and stuff. I mean, oh, he's in Subway. Uh, he was in Subway as well, um, but was like a well known character actor from the spirit. He was in La Caja Foe and La Caja Foe 2 and La Caja Foe 3. <laughs> There's a third one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know I've that. never seen the third one. I don't think it's supposed to be very good, mm. um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, he plays this like scientist who is brilliant, but after he loses his job because he's like you know relying on the corporation that's funding him to keep funding him, and, he gets pissed. Yeah, and he develops this murder technology that like Chris. Let's just call it what it is: a death ray. It's a death ray, but that works through television. So he is assassinating yes. commentators on the news by he'll sit in his house and he's watching the news and he gets all pissed off and he turns it on and whoever's on there, their heads explode or the hearts explode. Yeah. They, their yeah. chest cavities yeah. uh, Just explode. Boom. Yeah. Which is kind of like, oh shit, this is kind of graphic. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny though, that when after his job and when you also find out later on of like that little machine that he's working on to try to open up a beer bottle, it's like, were you just making a stronger magnet? <laughs> like that's all you were doing. Yeah, no much. wonder they fucking fired you. <laughs> uh, like that's all he was doing. I mean, the, and I guess creating a death ray. His performance is very exaggerated and funny. It reminded me of the lead guy from Network when he goes off the handle. You know, <laughs> uh, like, I'm oh, mad as hell. And oh, I'm not yeah. going to take it anymore. <laughs> not not Finch. Finch. Um, uh, Albert Finney. Was that who? It was? No, 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 Albert oh, Finney. No, I can't no. remember. It's been a while. Since um, oh, Ferocious Wolf. Yes, that's what it is. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, anyway, so obviously people are concerned that news broadcasters keep exploding. <laughs> well, yeah, because because there there's no uh, you know ammunition or gun yeah, wounds or anything. They just blow up, and everyone's like, "We have no idea what's going on." And obviously, after three of them, they're like, "All right, so something is happening other than like." <laughs> A specific to that person, weird, unforeknown, yeah. un- previously unknown health issue. And, so, and give it to the the lead detective who takes a quite a bit big leap in thinking, like maybe it's coming through the TV. It is a bit of a leap, even though <laughs> it's funny. You, I think it's implausible to do it through the TV, but <laughs> actually, the concept of a wave that could like using sound that would destroy oh, sure. someone's heart is a real thing. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, and I think they even discussed that, too. Like, I mean, there's a point when they actually go a little bit more scientific than they need to, because they're just like, guys, you had me a death ray that shoots through TVs. I'm fine. You don't need to tell me a little bit more about, like, well, how is this actually happening? Like, I don't give a shit. Uh, huge French actor Richard Boehringer, twice César Award winner, and who's been in stuff like The Last Metro, Diva, uh, Subway, uh, the, the Grand Highway, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, Tango, like a ton of big stuff. Is he The plays... Cook, The Thief, The Wife, and Her Lover? Have you never seen that? i never th- seen it. Oh, it's fucking great. Uh, best Peter Greenway movie, for sure. Mm. And uh, he's the detective assigned to try and figure it out. And really, I... This is where the movie fell a little flat for me because I thought his performance was actually kind of dull. Flat. I, yeah, it was kind of flat. You're like, you're not a very interesting character. And I felt like they're <sighs> acting as if he's this brilliant detective. And yet, there's like, if you're a brilliant detective, you should be quirky. 
Well, that and they they tried to give him other like stakes because like I forget the woman. Uh, I guess she's like a news reporter. I don't know fucking know. Um, I like I don't read French, uh, <laughs> but like she starts to kind of fall for him for whatever reason. And he has like a daughter and it's like, they're trying to give him all these other, other attributes that seemingly would make him interesting. But his yeah. performance is just really like, Saka blue. What do we do? And, and uh, trying to balance between him and the other guy. Cause it also, a lot of people are like, Hey, you're, we don't do things that way anymore. Detective. You're too old for this. Yeah, yeah, you should yeah. make way for the new, like younger idiot detectives. I, I don't know. I mean, they're trying to do a thing. I think that there's a lot about this in concept. That's great. I yeah. think that, Scientist actor is terrific and really fun to watch. Uh, that's some- that's the problem is that like the the scientist actor, uh, his performance is so batty and bananas that everyone else's performance you kind of forget about. There's nothing to balance it off of. No, I get it because they're still trying to. I think they're trying to say make things it. here and yeah. make it where you're taking some of the messaging seriously. So they didn't want to turn it outright into a comedy which that certainly would have had that effect i feel like yeah but either way it feels uneven and it's gets a little dull at points i don't remember like the like the 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 act two like there like i was saying earlier there's a part when like they're having like a fucking press conference or with but with all these scientists and like police to explain like this is how it's happening he's using a death ray that's <laughs> shooting through the tv and no, everyone's like what <laughs> i would be like the other people too going like sit down old man yeah it's uh, it's ridiculous and um so who are you robert f kennedy jr jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> but uh but they do make some interesting choices with uh some of the characters and decisions they make like there's a a uh, the batty old man he also i guess lives with his like nephew and his nephew's wife or something yeah and uh and something happens to them it was like oh shit yeah um it's a little like off startling it's very startling and so i think what they what they did wrong with the movie is that it's a it's a fun idea to see like a disgruntled in this case scientist like take revenge basically but it's unearned with the way that he is because it also just makes no fucking sense unless except for just the fact that he's like he's watching tv one day and he's like fuck you you don't know what you're fucking talking about even though they're talking about the weather he's the grumpy old man who yells at at cloud except he has a death ray yeah and it's it a lot of these things don't feel earned yeah like in just the concept of the story because like it would make a lot more sense if the disgruntled scientist was maybe killing the people that fired him sure except for like the fucking weather lady yeah and like it makes no sense. I I agree. Uh, I do think it's stylish and kind of cool points. The soundtrack's by Eric Serra. You did a Goldeneye. Yeah, has done a lot of great stuff. Yeah, uh, um, important composer, even uh, who's very much associated with the French New Wave as well. Um, it's not a good transfer. Is one of the main things that I'm getting from multiple sites. So like, yeah. wow, they really did a shitty job on this transfer. It doesn't look very good the sound is fine but it doesn't look very good the soundtrack is batty too yeah. it is just, it's like <laughs> uh there's on extras a recent program uh with the director talking about how he entered the film business and his uh production his relationship with Luc Besson and the production of this film uh there's an archival documentary that focuses on the production of the film uh, with lots of interviews with uh, Besson as well uh and then a trailer and a new commentary recorded by critic Eddie Von Muller 
you know, I think this is what we're seeing as it's only 90 minutes long and it's an interesting early chapter in Bassan's life. I will say it did not feel like a 90 minutes. It, it felt like felt two hours. Longer. It felt longer. But speaking of movies that are, in fact, really long. This uh, movie is when uh, I Sakura. Man, when I started this, it's like, okay, I'm going to get this over with real quick. And then suddenly it was three years later. Dude, it was like two and a half hours. Yeah. And it's, like, it's part one. And it's part one. It had the fucking audacity. I was like, did you just across the Spider-Verse me? Like, what the fuck? Dude, I was excited for this because, first off, it is, I believe, the first film that Donnie Yen directed. I don't know if that's correct. But, or at least in one of the few. It is one of the few, I yeah. think. But uh, it's also the film he made right before he made the latest John Wick. So it's the newest Hong Kong Donnie Yen film. Yeah, right. Um, and it was kind of popular in China. Um, yeah, I've, I've and, heard about this other than doing this. they spent a shit ton of money on it, clearly. Like, it's an expensive production. Yeah. This is like, oh shit, we got Donnie Yen. Ton, ton of wire work. Spend some, it's, a, it's a wire foo or wuxia film. Um, he is this... Uh, Cao Feng, who was as a baby, uh, he is orphaned and raised by a couple from, uh, an empire that's different from the empire he was actually from, which becomes a big part of the Mm -hmm. movie later because he ends up becoming the chief of the beggars sect, which sounds like who would want to do that? But it's different in Hong Kong. Trust me. Uh, they're just super badasses who use all kinds of crazy, super powered martial arts. Yeah. But, He's framed for the murder of the chief, the deputy chief there by the deputy chief's wife for reasons. He's like, I don't understand why any of this is happening right now. Kicked out from the sect. Everybody Which, in the world. Spoiler is- or not in spoiler, but like also another thing. I was too confused. Yeah. I didn't was like, why? Why is, why is everyone ha- just automatically? Everyone vote? just there's immediately zero, hates him. There's zero evidence. And plus, this guy is like the ultimate hero of heroes. Like he could kick everyone there's ass yeah. single-handedly without breaking a sweat yeah. at once. And, but he's then also the nicest guy in the world. He's like, cool. All right. Well, this sucks, but I guess I'm going to go. Yeah. Sorry about this. I'll try also, and leave before I go, I know the four other elders in the gang, um, they would normally have to stab me. So I'm going to do it myself. And you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Which for you and me would be like getting a hangnail, right? Like less annoying than that for him. It's nothing. Yeah. Also, Donnie Yen, I for you forget he's what, 60? And, uh, and I love you can that never tell. you can never tell, but also it's funny knowing that he's 60 and it's like, okay, I mean, I guess he is Tom Cruise of, of, yeah, of, know, of China, of China. Yeah. yeah. Like he, uh, <laughs> he, he is doing all of his own stunts. He's still charismatic as fuck. Yeah, no doubt. He's become, if anything, only more likable as the years have gone by. Oh yeah. Uh, and he is great in this. If, as it goes along, there's just a long, complicated as fuck plot with all sorts of shit that keeps happening where you're like, wait a minute, what did I miss? Did I, did I not out for a minute and miss a huge plot thing? Dude. It's very comic booky. It's very manga ish, really. Yeah, it's definitely just, with the superpowers that that kind of everybody's got the. Well, I mean, lots of wuxia films have that quality, yeah, but yeah. here it's to much bigger extent than I've ever seen before. Like he can literally send force waves out from his hand that are yeah. illustrated on camera to heal or hurt. What, wasn't uh, there a moment when like? four dude the four elder dudes were like doing also force waves and yeah. then he did another one and they did it backwards i'm like whoa, 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 whoa. No, this is like a like period piece chinese x-men 
basically, which sounds great, right? <laughs> Except it's, it's very long. The plot is meandering and all over the fucking place. There's like this female character gets brought in for a reason. I'm still unclear what exactly happened there. She was trying to steal something, but then she was dressed up like somebody else. And Oh, yeah. Somehow, she, it, it was fucking Mission Impossible. This yeah. is a Mission Impossible movie. Because she had like a fake face on yeah. at one point, and then she takes it off like fucking Mission Impossible. Yeah, and he like, even though she's getting him in trouble, he saves her anyway, and then becomes completely hopelessly devoted to making sure she's okay. Okay, for because reasons, he's such for a reasons, nice guy. Because he's such a nice this guy. This is dead reckoning. <laughs> he is Ethan Hunt. And for whatever reason, he's helping out Haley Atwell. He's like, but she was trying to steal from you. I don't, this, this, is, this is dead reckoning. It gets so goofy and it's just so overlong. But is there really, a train sequence? All of that stuff I would, I would be okay with if it wasn't for the fact that and I know 90% of martial arts films do this. They obviously over the crank the camera to speed things up. Uh-huh. I've never seen it more blatantly obvious that it was sped up in yeah. any film ever where it felt like they didn't even do the overcranking trick. They just put po- in post sped it up and it just looks like someone who has it on 1.5, you know? Yeah. And like, well, come on, man. I know you're saying like, it looks really good. It's, it's very expensive looking, um, but some of the action, I was just not, thrilled by i mean there was stuff i thought was amazing and then there's stuff i was like i can see the holes in this very clearly yeah you know? I, I just i don't know I, the um i i liked the heightened nature of all of the shaw brother movies that we were watching for a while where it's like well of course they can't you know really do some of those things and but it was heightened enough to where like it's believable but then again it was all like practical effect shit this is like cg crazy and, uh, yeah. and it really took me out of it. Like there's a really fun scene where honestly, I have no idea what the hell was going on in that scene, but, uh, there's a scene where he's like drinking water or something with all of the old gang. And then he just like the whole room is just turns into chaos, yeah. but it's still so CG heavy because Agreed. you can't realistically believe even though Donnie Yen is awesome to think that he can like lift up a gigantic coffee table. Well, I mean, again, they've all got like X-Men level superpowers. Right. And, and they're all very specific. Like everybody, nobody yeah. ever has the same power. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and so the thing is with me, I, I don't really go in for martial arts movies but I've been slowly getting to like them. Yeah, well, you know, no. your ferocious wolves and all. This is a, uh, a, a frog in a slowly boiling pot of water effect. <laughs> but uh, I also don't necessarily go in for fantasy films too much. And so having these two married together, I'm just like, oh, please stop. I, I enjoy a good wuxia film, but this is, it's just got so many spe- like specific, seemingly small, but really, really hurts the bigger picture issues that I had a hard time even getting through this and it's nonstop action packed. And yet mm. still found myself going, God, I wish this was a hell of a lot better than it actually is. Mm-hmm. I'm looking here and it was in fact based on a novel called demigods and semi devils. So it was pr- published in serial form over uh, between 1963 and 1966. Oh, wow. Really? The writer is known as one of Hong Kong's best and most famous writers. He's the Charles uh, Dickens of Hong Kong, <laughs> who also founded one of Hong Kong's most successful newspapers. Uh, Good for him. But which, is where it first was serialized huh. but uh apparently it's one of those like 
it's just a huge sprawling story that goes all over the place. And this is trying to cram a whole bunch of shit into like two and a half hours. And again, and it's still it part one. A, it literally has post credit scene. Like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, I've never seen a Hong Kong movie with like a Samuel Jackson showing up and saying, do you want to join the Avengers initiative? But that's basically what's going on here. Yeah. Well, you finally get to see the big bad. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? And like they fucking had Thanos. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was funny because, uh, they did like an odd, like, I don't know if they knew how to do like post credit sequences, yeah. uh, because the movie ends as like directed by Donnie, uh, yeah. Yen. Yen. I don't know why I was like Donnie Lou. <laughs> um, like, what? I, don't, I don't know why I had a brain for it. Um, it was like directed by Donnie Yen. And now here's the credits, uh, yeah. like the pre- post credit scene. And they're like, wait, what? Cause usually you had the credits and then you're like, and next time. Yeah. But it's like, nah, fuck it. And like, let's do it now. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, I wasn't expecting any it's of this. Odd. There's a lot of this. It's odd. I mean, if you're a devoted Hong Kong, if you like Wuxia films, you're a devoted Hong Kong movie fan, Donnie Yen, you're going to end up seeing this because this was such a huge release. Uh, and there is a lot of stuff to like in it. But my God, somebody do a fan edit and cut like 45 minutes out of this fucking thing. Seriously. <laughs> like, it's so long. Uh, there is, and slow down the scenes that are sped up. Bad. Like, go back and re edit this shit because that's ridiculous. It just mm. looks at points like, oh my God, this is <laughs> like, I don't care if you speed it up if I can't tell. Like, eh. you're like, okay, come on. Uh, there's a five minute making of that's kind of forgettable here, but that's about it. Um, yeah, that's Sakura. I wished it was a lot better. We'll yeah. move on to one that I know that was always been a classic for me, and you, this is your first time seeing this. This is my it. first time seeing it's, this. Uh, the Great Train Robbery, originally titled The First Great Train Robbery, which came out in 1978. It's a British heist comedy directed by Michael Crichton, uh, who also wrote the screenplay based on his own 1975 novel by the same uh, title. One of the only few like non-science fiction things that he wrote oh no he oh uh that one with uh demi moore uh that's about uh uh fucking uh the where the uh, girls harassing the guy i forget the name of it huh where it's like a like a harassment thing but it's the woman boss harassing her male like counterpart he wrote that he did yeah andromeda strain the Andromeda strain? <laughs> Jurassic Park? <laughs> that scene where the T-Rex oh, was harassing no, that little girl? Uh, the, the sphere. Got it. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> not his only like non-science fiction film. But anyway, uh, he also did uh, was it Eaters of the Dead, which is what the 13th Warrior is based on. So oh, that's right. Yeah. He did do that. Yeah. Well, that's... Well, fuck you, okay? All right. Uh, there, I'm sure there are others that just... This is mind. obviously his best work. It's pretty darn good. It is fucking a blast it's based on a real event the great gold robbery from 1855 where three boxes of gold bullion and coins were stolen uh from the guards van of the tra- train service between uh, london bridge and folkestone while it was being shipped to paris a uh, a heist that was considered so impossible that no one would ever even try it and somebody successfully pulled it off and i believe were never caught I, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but leave it to Sean Connery and Donald Sutherland. Sean Connery, uh, a charismatic, but also streetwise member of London's high society. He's a total badass master thief. He's going to, he just, I think just because they, they've said it's impossible. He wants to do it more than anything yeah. to steal like from this train. That's yeah. got like so many redundancies of like, and so many steps you would have to do before and even approach the point where you, you have to steal have the four gold keys to yeah. uh, actually get into the safe. And they're also all impossible to get into. And he's working with Donald Sutherland who's more of a street, street thief guy. He's like the a great, he's, the old, he's, fantastic pickpocket. Yeah. Great pickpocket. And a guy who's like a terrific, uh, he's a safe 
Nutcracker. Yeah, he's the that same too. Cracker. Yeah, and then Leslie Ann Down, who's maybe never been more beautiful than she is. She's in good jazz. Yeah, who's is part of the team as well, uh, and it's just fun, dude. So I watched this with Eric uh, last night, and we both had never seen it before. We're like, eh, I've always heard it's supposed to be good, and I'm like, let's just finally give it a try. I was honestly ready to like just be on my phone quite a bit, just to be like, eh, it's gonna be kind of boring. This had me fucking right out of the gates. This is not only is it really funny, mm-hmm. it's oddly horny, and it is. <laughs> it's really horny, and uh, and it is. If you're trying to look for like, you know, I love Ocean's Eleven, but what if it was in 1855? Period piece, Ocean's Eleven. It's totally because Sean Connery. Ocean's One. Ocean's One. Ocean's Three. (laughs) Actually, Ocean's Four because there's that one guy Uh, that's a part of it. Maybe Ocean's Five because they do the kill. Yeah, yeah, Uh, but Sean Connery is so insanely charismatic in this uh, that he. Man, gives George Clooney a run for his money as like the mastermind behind a whole like heist. Yeah. And Donald Sutherland. also a bit of a bastard, but like in the way that like you're like, there's a point where you're like, oh, damn, I can't believe they went there. Yeah, you know, totally. You're like, wow. Hey, hey, guys, remember? He's a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they take care of someone, it was like, oh, these are the that good was guys. Fucking brutal. <laughs> that was fucking brutal. And, uh, and the Donald Sutherland is hysterical is not only it's like the kind of um uh, just a little eccentric but he's definitely uh a guy who can still get shit done like he's still capable yes and uh and that's what's great is that everyone is really good at what they do so they're not just like you know you don't have a you know uh just a, a bumbling guy just like like just kind of falls into something and like oh well i'm able to do this one thing like everyone has a lot of different tricks and they carry it so well and it's funny how the the plot is it, it, like it actually takes place over like months mm-hmm. to get this all done but they have to be very careful of how they get the like they, the biggest thing about it is that since the safe has these four specialty keys and these four different people have uh, the key, or maybe one person has like two keys. I don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, but they have to find like different ways to get these keys. And it, it's delightful, which yeah. is like almost, it's like most of the movie is yeah. just finding the keys. And then the great train robbery, which also crazy trivia sean connery does all of his own fucking stunts he used to back in the day yeah dude but he had no harnesses on the fucking train and that's so, a scary sequence too dude so when sean or when eric and i were watching this uh and we, were, we also saw the uh dead reckoning um and thinking about it i was like tom cruise ain't got shit on fucking well, sean connery i, I in don't this. know about that oh, on the tr- on a real on a train yeah like this, this was a harrowing like view of this because it seemed like there's points like, oh my god, I think he's actually tired because like he is trying to get down the train on top of it, and there are points when like they're like going under bridges and he has to actually duck down. It's like if he really lifted up his head, he would have been fucking killed. Yeah, apparently he was told the train would only be going twenty miles an hour. It actually <laughs> was going at fifty, uh, which is. You know, I know you use your car. 50 is nothing. On top of a moving train, that's terrifyingly fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, he almost fell off the train at one jump between two carriages. Um, yeah. Dude. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. It's... um. It's really cool. I and and I, we were really trying to watch for like how did they do that? Uh, unless they he just literally did it. And apparently the the whole part, all the stuff with the keys, also true. 
Oh, the wax thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that makes the sense. four different keys they had to get. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it, it's, man, this movie is such a blast. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like, everyone should watch this movie. This should be a household, like, name kind of a movie. I, I don't re- know why it's not. I remember when I originally saw it, and it was one of those, like, oh, I've never even heard of this. And I was kind of on a Crichton kick. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, like, a lot of people, you, you discover them, then go, yeah, wow. Like, you go into Sphere, so and you stop. Fun. Yeah. Well, the books are good, though. Oh, sure. Yeah, and I'm talking about reading the books, not the movies. There, like, he what, writes books? Shut up. Uh, <laughs> going through just one after another, read this one. I was like, oh, there's a movie of this. And so yeah. I had to go track it down. I was right, like, okay, because right. nobody even knew what it was. And this is like still like late 80s. This was before you know? or after Westworld. Oh, well after, I think. I don't no, think, wait. I don't no, think no, it's like a year. This is 77, so around the same time. I probably. think it's around the same time. Yeah. I think Westworld but, was 78. But uh, yeah, like going, why does why haven't people told me about this film? Mm. This is just so much fun. This is a crowd pleaser of a movie dude i i I was thinking about it we were talking about how when sean connery died like how was this not brought up in his filmography more prominently weirdly it wasn't a complete rave with critics or audiences when it came out i mean it's 76 percent of rotten tomatoes based on only 29 reviews but even like what gene siskel gave it two and a half stars Uh, a lot lot of people like oh it's good but you know there's a lot of that. And even modern reviews kind of like go, eh, it's uneven. I'm like, I don't know what movie you guys saw. Cause I thought this was great. Oh my God. It like, yeah. it has the, the only time that it, it does take you out of it is that there is something that happens to one character. They're just like, Whoa, that's kind of out of left yeah. field, but it, it works because of it's, it's so unexpected. It, it makes you recontextualize. Yeah. It, and it and also makes you think about the time. It was like, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> the, the way the movie ends is like, well, I guess they just got away. <laughs> like, I, like well, it's, it's, a, it's a total like fantasy. It feels like totally, one of those things totally. like, and then if it was Brazil, it would like fog out and then go back and he's lying there. He just fell from the like hot gallows right. and the whole Hi thing was there. a fantasy. <laughs> Are your ducks giving you trouble? It was, it was a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh my God. What is the name of that great movie where it's uh, where the whole thing is just in the guy's head the second before he, he hits the gallows? Sphere. Oh my god! Oh uh, what? You don't know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh all in his. Uh, uh, I mean, that's a, an, uh, an yeah, occurrence like an in Owl Creek. Yeah, Bridge. An occurrence in Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah, 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 which is based on a Nathaniel Hawthorne story. Yeah, that's yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. um, I mean, a, a ton of things do that. There, yeah, there is a great episode of The Outer Limits with uh, David Hyde Pierce. That's that story basically, yeah. and it is horrifying and the most like harrowing episode of the uh, The Outer Limits. Like, it's so good because he creates a system to where that you can like go into someone's mind or something like that um or like an inmate's mind to try to rehabilitate them but um he like he does it to try to link up to the mind but he immediately wakes up and the prisoner is killed uh because he dies from the machine and then david Hyde pierce's character is sent to prison for the rest of his life and he's tormented in prison so he's like in prison getting older and older he lives for like 50 60 years in prison and finally he's about to die and then he wakes up and then is like it's a success he's fine and he's like fucking destroy it and like and because he lost 60 years of his life already like this is fucking crazy oh, it's like the i know you've never seen it but one of the single best episodes of star trek the inner light uh is that a book uh shut up where they this they find a satellite in space and it beams something on the ship and hits picard and he passes out for what appears to everyone else for like 10 seconds but he lives an entire like 60 year lifetime. I've heard about this episode. And, yeah. Uh, in another world. And it was basically this civilization that knew it was dying and wanted someone 
wanted them to be remembered and so they created mm. a thing it was the same principle right you're like right. oh okay can you imagine going through that like you're like you to you you just lived a whole life and you wake up and this is something that happened 60 fucking years ago to you right <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's it's odd because the an occurrence in Elk Creek Bridge the the way that that ends is that he's immediately just he dies after he wakes up because it's just the the story is um he's about to be pushed off a bridge because he's going to be hung it's like during the civil war and uh and so the whole story is like from the moment that he's kicked off and then the rope yeah, snaps. It's that second. Yeah, it's a that second. second. And then he like finds his way back home yeah. and all these it's kind a of whole things. Fantasy, like, oh, you're rooting for oh, good for you. And then to find out that like, no, that was just him wishful thinking. Yeah. In that one and then, second. then the rope like Yeah. And uh, I was like, Oh man, this is so good. This is classic. Classic. Absolutely. And it's influenced just literally hundreds of things. Right. And they uh, and he finally adapted it into the great train robbery. <laughs> That doesn't happen. Is that we're not talking about that? For the record, that doesn't. That's not what actually Uh, happens. Donald Sutherland's neck neck doesn't snap. No, no. Okay. Uh, This was uh, Jerry Goldsmith did the uh, music here, which is also great. It is so jaunty and fun. So jaunty and fun. We were trying to guess like who did the score before the credits came up. I was guessing John Williams because I'm a fucking idiot, and then Eric guessed correctly. Uh, This is the third collaboration he did with Michael Crichton because he had previously done for television uh, Michael Crichton's first directed film, Pursuit, and his second one coma he had done this the oh and he, he also that. did a sphere what is your obsession with sphere i want that movie to be good and i know it's terrible Dude, from 15 minutes in you're like this i've given up like you're like i the book is genuinely good it's yeah. super fun sure the movie is just the worst kind of garbage there's there's the nothing only reason it's not as bad as it could be is because if you've seen congo as well Oh, that's right, Congo! <laughs> Which is even worse. <laughs> oh, man. Like battle-toed uh, white gorillas. It's great. Anyway, uh, the Blu-ray for this doesn't come with a lot of extra features. It, it really is doesn't. a great transfer. Uh, it's very updated from my old DVD, that's for sure. There's an archival audio commentary with uh, with writer-director Michael Creighton. And then it's just trailer TV spots, TV spots shit like yeah. that. I kind of this is one of those films I wish they had done a lot more on because it's it, not clearly not everyone loves it as much as we do. They should though. They're wrong idiots. for not. Another film from Kino Lorber as well. A reissue is 1974's <sighs> Juggernaut, and this is a movie I've always wanted to see, never got around to. Uh-huh. Uh, directed by Richard Lester, who like you may not know the name of, but you've definitely seen some of his films. For instance, like Sphere. Uh, no, Superman Two. <laughs> I'm going to go on a Sphere. The, the original Superman Two was Richard Lester, and then oh yeah, well technically Donner directed know, it first, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. took the whole movie away from him. Uh, Superman Three as well. He did Help and A Hard Day's Night from the Beatles. Right? Oh no shit. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Great Zero Mustel comedy. Uh-huh. Totally great. Uh Robin and another uh a Sean Connery film, Robin and Marion. Terrific movie about old Robin Hood. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know uh, but about he's that. done a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. And uh this one is a crime suspense film starring the tremendous Richard Harris, Omar Sharif, and a very young Anthony Hopkins. Dude, the it is a murderer's row of like British actors. Oh, dude! Even the people whose names you don't necessarily know when you see them, you're like, it's that guy. You're Ro- like Roy Leo, Kenner, Leo DiCaprio, sitting in the chair pointing at the yeah, television. Like, hey, you'll do that like seven times watching this movie. Like, oh, that guy, D- so, David Hemmings, Ian Holm. Oh Roy yeah, Ian Kinnear, Holm. Uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 server. Yeah, uh, that's helping out. He is one of the guys in Temple of Doom. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, almost everyone in here, you're like, I've seen them in a, lots of yeah, other stuff. Totally. Um. And I know that you completely fell in love with this. The Sun, my, our buddies, the Summers Brothers, loved this movie. I told them I was getting ready to watch it. They're like, oh, my God, Juggernaut is so great. 
I was not as taken with it as you guys are. I, but I still think it's a good movie. I think it's a great movie. All right, so what's it about? I, okay, so um, the, the Britannica, the... Uh, Britannic. Britannic is basically the the new um, uh, Titanic. It's just an ocean liner uh, uh, that's carrying 1,200 people. And uh, in home is uh, basically he runs the company that owns the ship. And he gets a call one day and it's, a, and it's this... Uh, uh, the, this man, he was like, hello, this is the juggernaut speaking, and I've laid seven barrels that are huge, gigantic bombs that is going to destroy the boat if you do not pay me 500,000 pounds. I will tell you now that the juggernaut is not Michael Caine, despite how right made it Actually, sound. that is not a terrible like impression <laughs> of the voice that the guy was doing. Fair uh, but uh, that's the plot, is that there are bombs on the ship, and like, oh, fuck, we got to do something about yeah, this. They, and they were introduced to Richard Harris, who is just swimming in charisma. Yeah. And, and probably pussy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I'd fuck the man. Like, like I'm like, Dumbledore. This ain't your this no. ain't your, your grandkid's Dumbledore. Oh, my this God. <laughs> and he's still old as fuck in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and yet he's just like, I mean, he's sexier than Sean Connery is in The Great Train Robbery dude, in some ways. Dude, I, I was thinking like, about it. I was like, why wasn't he in The Great Train Robbery too? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, he would have been so much fun. Yeah, he's like the master bomb diffuser. Yeah. The and total badass bomb. He, because he's like, so confident. Back then they had rock star bomb diffusers. Yeah, he's like, oh, we got to get, actually, I forget his character's yeah. name. Maverick. <laughs> what the fuck is his name in this? Uh, 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 Richard Harris's name is yeah. Lieutenant Commander Anthony Fallon. Fallon. Yeah. It's like it's like good Fallon. And uh, man, so he has his whole, like whole team of of bomb diffuser guys. And w- here's what I liked about it is that it's not like the towering inferno. No, where it's it, not a disaster. It's movie. not a it's not a disaster movie, even though it's like you know it's about uh, bombs on a ship the, that could kill 1200 the, people but the poster makes it look like it's a disaster it, de- it definitely does it's actually uh <laughs> this this is definitely not a thing <laughs> this, the, this poster makes it look like there are like fighter pilots and people like parachuting and uh, you know from the sea and the, the i mean boats they do sink. there is parachuting in yeah the sea. but they're these are all different moments in the movie yeah. and they're not connected it's <laughs> true uh, but he um what I liked about it is a, it's it felt a little bit more like analytical uh, about what they're going to do to try to defuse the bomb. And what really fucking sells it and carries it is it in a lot of ways, like did Richard Harris learn how to fucking defuse bombs? Because he's so believable in what he's doing and how he's doing it and his own like, yeah, just uh, interesting character quirks. Cause uh, what what they do is that they uh, like they find one main the the first bomb that could be the most devastating uh, where it's placed in the ship. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this one, and everyone else, you are going to be by the other uh, six bombs. And uh, and he has like his right hand man. And they all have headphones on, and they're just talking through it. And the, what they do is systematically go one by, step by step trying to defuse the bomb. And so if Basically, one of them gets blown up. Yeah. Like, okay, well, let's pick up from where we left off and go from there. And uh, and he just tells, like, okay, clip that wire, clip that wire, and it's follow along with me. And it's he's so oddly charismatic, even when he is trying to defuse the bomb because he's having this uh, external monologue um, about the juggernaut. I was like, you're clever, juggernaut. Yeah, it's like oh, I was like, oh, are you also doing has this? Existential crises in the middle of <laughs> it's it's so fun and interesting, and I I really it pulled me in way more than I thought it would. Uh, can I point out if you guys don't know who David Hemmings is who plays his number his number one guy is like, Charlie, like yeah, yeah, Charlie. 
Uh, he's been in so many things that you've seen, including like uh, Camelot. He played Mordred in Camelot. Oh, shit. Um, he was in Deep Red. David Art Darrow, John does Deep Red. He was the main character I've in that film. That movie. Oh, you should see it. It's a great, great fucking movie. Mm. Uh, he's just been in a ton of fucking stuff, including the lead of uh, Ant- Antio- Anton. God damn it. Michelangelo Antonioni, God damn it, I can't speak today. Antonioni? The original version of Blow Up from 1966, which oh. is considered all-time all, all classic. Yeah, he yeah. Was the, the, that was his first real big film, mm. like his big start. But yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. I, I love him. And I was like, oh my God, it's that guy. Yeah, I was like, Charlie! He's Profondo Rosso guy. <laughs> uh, man, everyone in it is just bringing their A game. Like Anthony Hopkins, I mean, for how oddly little he's in it, yeah. uh, he and for also what he has doesn't get to do but like there is also this other portion of the story is that the british government is like hey you know um ocean liner company guy in home we give your company subsidies um so we don't want you to pay the ransom he's like the fuck you say uh, I was like, well, if you pay the ransom, since we don't abide by terrorist uh, ransoms, right. that means that you'd be giving government money away, and we don't want you to do that. So you're gonna have to tell the juggernaut, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? And uh, Ian Holmes' character, I thought was really interesting, hmm. and uh, I really dug his arc, even though how, for how small I mean, that was Omar too. Omar Sharif is the captain of the ship, who's just Omar kind of Sharif's exasperated great. by how everyone is dealing with this situation. Yeah. You know? And that's another thing too, which is really interesting, is that the crew member, the, the uh, guests on the ship, once they're told like, by the way, we got seven bombs on this uh, boat, we're probably all going to die because there's a time limit. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, don't, by dawn, if you don't get, if I don't get the money, I'm going to blow up the ship. And so Richard Harris has to, you know, get it done by then. And so the rest, the, the rest of the people on the ship are basically like, well, fuck, we're probably going to fucking die. Let's get drunk. Let's get drunk. That's literally their take. And, like, and it's, a, it was it's a, like British people, actually, this is what it takes for them to let down their hair. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you're all going to die in this amount of time. They're yeah. like, let's have sex and party. And isn't it Roy Kinner, the guy who's like the event coordinator? Yeah. Okay. Him, his like desperate Henry attempt. Henry Salt from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate yes. Factory. He, he is desperately trying to like get the party started and it is just like it's a kind of harrowing and depressing performance because he is this guy who knows that they're all probably all gonna die it's like hey but we can party like it's 1999 right and it's it's very interesting i loved every portion there's of this a movie. character in here named corrigan played by legendary actor george clifton james who was one of the cops in Cool Hand Luke, who was Sheriff J.W. Pepper in Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun. The sh- He's one of the guys who plays a redneck cop in almost everything. He's like, hey, your boy. Wait, wasn't he the uh, the senator or something like that? Or the mayor yeah, or something? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, I have to shout out the guy who ends up playing the juggernaut is the uh, the old man character from the movie Krull. So all your Krullites out there, all your Krullies, yeah. all you Krullinians. figured out yet that that movie is not great. Hey, look, Krull has the coolest weapon. Has the coolest weapon of all time. That's it. And that's hold it. Hold on, I'm trying to think of something else better. <laughs> I think about there's a brief nude and scene. Robbie Coltrane and <laughs> Liam Neeson are in that fucking movie. Yeah, well, that you can say they're in it. That is well, I'm just saying they're in it, and I like that movie. <laughs> You don't. You need to rewatch. It. I like that movie. Go back I and rewatch it, it and be like, "Oh, this isn't very good." Is look, it? look, look. What's the next movie? Crawl. More like dull. 
Yes, thank you. There you go. I was going to go with Smalls. Oh, Jesus know. Christ. I know. Man, I am thrilled to be able to tell you about this next movie because this was not even faintly on either one of our like no. awareness level at all Mm-mm. um uh, you know I, I was excited as i was for you to watch great train robbery when you said you'd never even heard of it i was like oh my god dude like, i've heard of it well but i've I never seen, seen it never seen it like, yeah. i was like you're in for such a pleasant blast. surprise a blast this movie from 1964 french film but filmed entirely or largely in english uh joy house it's a mystery thriller, so it's sort of like it's a neo noir, despite still really feeling being in the period of straight noir to some extent, or the late period of it. It's definitely neo noir because of the the subject matter and where it goes. Yeah, based on a 1954 novel, the same name by Day Keen, uh, and directed by Rene Clement, who did a lot of big films, including Is Paris Burning in 1966. Mm-hmm. This stars one of the biggest sex symbols of the 60s, Alan De- Delon, who admittedly, even as a heterosexual male, you look at this guy and you're like, dude. I get it. This like, guy was slay hot. me le samurai. This guy was hot. Uh, and it takes place, starts in Monte Carlo. He plays Mark. He's a con man, card sharp, uh, who has been, escaped a bunch of American gangsters who are all, basically just there to, are out to kill him because he had an affair with the boss's wife because he has an issue with women wanting to sleep with him. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's an issue, more that's of a issue. gift. More of a gift, but it gets him in trouble. Well, yeah, clear. that's what happens. But uh, he is staying in a, like, basically a, a homeless shelter when this wealthy woman, Barbara, played by the unbelievably hot Lola Albright, who, by the way, was the girlfriend of Peter Gunn on all three seasons of the tel- television show, Peter Gunn. Oh, really? I can't tell if this is a real O, really, or one of those things you're going to bring up Sphere again. <laughs> is that what led to Sphere? Is that I what you're trying know. to tell me? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, very what well. What the hell's Peter Gunn? Uh, well, uh, really? The, you the are 163. Do you remember the game Spy Hunter? The, uh, keep the fishing. Video, the video game Spy Hunter. Keep fishing? Really? You don't remember Spy Hunter? Where it was On like what? a little like it was an arcade game. It was a classic, like big as like any uh, of the big arcade games. Um, Spy, Hunter. Spy Hunter. Anyway, it was like the music was dun 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 Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah yeah yeah! That's the Peter Gunn theme. Oh okay. Yeah. Wait, is it a cop show or something? Yeah, a private detective show. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh okay. okay. Anyway, it was a big thing back in the day, well before your time. I was in my late hundreds, so. <laughs> Um, now all the audience that knows what you're talking about just like fuck right we Jesus. already did not like you now we really don't like you i mean i think we're i think that shit well past that <laughs> <laughs> i wish you would just be unwilling and stop doing this <laughs> anyway uh she plays barbara she's a very wealthy widow she finds him says hey we need new i feel bad for this guy also he's hot and I need also, to hire him. Also, do you see that D? Exactly. And need to, uh, I'm going to get him to be my new chauffeur. Chauffeur? Ch- chauffeur. I think that's how you pronounce it in uh, yeah, French. I don't know. Chauffeur. Well, he brings it, uh, she brings him back to her chateau. And uh, it's just a beautiful, wealthy Hello, house. Hello, chauffeur. This uh, is my chateau. Her niece, uh, Melinda, played by a... Belinda. Melinda. Is it Melinda? Yeah. Played by a startlingly hot young Jane Fonda. Ay, ay, ay. Is immediately like, damn, who is this guy? Uh, and he's kind of all like, you know what? I'm just going to do my job. Kind of leave me alone, ladies. Okay. Um, at I, first, right? It's, it's kind of crazy because it's just like Jane Fonda's character is also like, um, Alan, uh, Delane, Delane, Don, uh, please, I want to fuck you. Yeah. And he's like, no. I'm like, 
whoa. But I guess he's trying to, like, you know, survive, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, he's he is just, this is a temporary respite for him. Yeah. He's looking for a chance to get out and get completely out of the country. It's just he's got no money. He's yeah. got no real opportunities. And he can't really go out in public because there's gangsters everywhere looking for him to kill right. him on sight. Yeah. But meanwhile, back at the chateau, there's chateau. some shit going on. And not just both these women who want to fuck him and are a little, maybe even a little confused about wanting to fuck him. Like they clearly do, but also are trying to fight wanting to fuck him but we both know that we all know watching it you're like this guy's gonna have sex with both these women before the movie is over oh yeah sure Uh, it's called the joy house for a reason and uh but there's also some big deep dark secrets going on in the house and maybe barbara's reason for bringing him into the house aren't so uh just want to fuck this guy as they seem right uh it takes some turns that i was not expecting for a 1960s movie that is smart really well written yeah really well shot turns like really great third act twists that i was like whoa that get dark yeah uh this is when the neo comes in it because it it's the how subversive it is yeah and uh and And even kind of perverse in a weird sort of totally yeah uh i i really liked how um it it definitely plays as a normal uh, noir kind of like sexy uh, French new wave kind of film. But then it goes into places where, you know, you at first thought like, well, these two women are, you know, don't know really what's going on with Mark. But then like, it's more playing on the idea like, no, Mark, you should be afraid of them. And I thought that was a really, really cool twist uh, of what ends up happening. We don't want to spoil anything, but I, they're, everyone in it is great. And Jane Fonda is such a fucking beauty in this movie. Yeah. It was kind of hard to pay attention uh, sometimes. It was like, oh, my God. I can't believe that. Uh, I, I guess I've never seen a movie that, I mean, she was that young in well, before. I'm, you've never seen Barbarella? No, I have not, I actually. You have to see Barbarella. It's, yeah. She's like... You're like, okay, I'll watch this silly science, sex science fiction film. And then you're like, oh, my God, Jane Fonda, you were so incredibly hot. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's very well written. It's uh, incredibly acted. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, to your point, like, it's the way that they shoot things and to, like, reveal certain, uh, like, uh, upsetting things. Like, oh, my God. And, like, the final scene in the movie is is one of the best like realizations for a character you get to see of understanding what like it's almost a twilight zone moment totally yeah Yeah, you're like what the fuck (laughs) where am i no fuck uh it's it's such a fucked moment it's kind of it's so brilliant and really really cool yeah this should be this is one of those gems when to go this is why i do this show because every once in a while you Mm -hmm. get to discover something that you've never even heard of that you're like Oh my God, everybody should see this movie. This yeah. is so great. It's, it's like, it's Joy House, great train robbery, yeah. Sphere. Uh, <laughs> not Sphere, not Sphere. If you're making a list now, if you're just tuning in, <laughs> not Sphere. <laughs> watch, Sam- watch Samurai Sphere. Wolf? Uh, uh, fucking For sure. ju- Juggernaut, in my case. Yeah, I mean, uh, ju- like I said, I get why anybody would love it as much as you and the Summers Brothers do. I just was not totally... Don't let me in with those twits. Yeah, I know. That's usually like, oh, wait a minute. They liked it too. I'm going to reconsider my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm I kidding. love those guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I Robin Russell. Also, apparently Jane Fonda uh, met her uh, later husband, Roger Vadim, on this film as well. Who the hell is uh, that? was involved in some way. Uh, oh. Yeah, he was a French screenwriter. Oh. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, good for. Them. Also, Fonda alleged that uh, the director was sexually harassing her throughout the entire film. Yeah, not so great. That's uncomfortable now to think about, and now you ruined it for me. In preparation for a love scene in the film, is like I should. I need to teach you how to do it right by fucking. No, really? Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, the French. What are you gonna do? (laughs) Say la vie. Say la vie. Oh man, like I want you to go to my chateau, and my chauffeur was to drive you there. Yeah, like. This is really good, and you should check it out. Um, I, I had a great time, like just keeping up with its twists and turns, enjoying the beauty of the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, the beautiful fucking score of the th- of, yeah. of the film, uh, which uh, uh, Lalo Schifrin, the great Lalo Schifrin, yeah, uh, score was fucking awesome. Yeah, just beautiful, jazzy but creepy score. Mm-hmm. This is good stuff, and this is the new Kino uh, Lorber. Uh, release of this it's from a 2k restoration um and there's a few extras uh, here as well as a brand one of them being a brand new commentary by film historians howard berger and nathaniel uh thompson uh yeah i i can't yeah deep recommendation just check out join us really really good if you like if you like the french new wave era and you like noir and you really love bound you should watch this movie yeah no it's like french neo-noir but bound yeah except without lesbian stuff well yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but uh it, but yeah you know, yeah if you want more of that you can watch the second season of chucky on television <laughs> i wonder if the wachowskis actually saw this movie and uh were inspired by it a little Could bit be. i mean i'd be i would love to see a list of people who quote this movie as an inspiration yeah for what they did because i'm sure there are people who saw this and went oh man because this was like very like it was startling when it came out to people yeah like people were like "Ooh, this is a little too much for some people when it came out yeah like, i mean there's even some of like the violence was kind of like what the fuck oh yeah. my god uh it's this is why i love doing the show because then it, it always makes me think about like oh did so-and-so watch this movie and got inspired by it and they like not not you know directly rip it off or anything but just like take elements of it sure and um and and make it their own story and i could see that being true for them and bound yeah for sure uh our last film today is the one of the only new films we're talking about in fact the only new film right well there's no sakura counted yeah and and sphere that's new we didn't talk about sphere that is not new i want to talk about sphere Uh, a good person which is the brand new film by zach braff who of course um, best known for playing his role as JD on Scrubs when every <laughs> when everybody liked him. Well, and also Garden State. Just <laughs> well, I was going to say, and directing and starring in Garden State, which became the a weird contentious film for him, and I'm still not sure why. <sighs> because we it's all saw so... it and we loved it when it came out. I know. And then, I know. Like a year later, people were like, "No, Garden State sucks," and I'm like, "Wait, well, what?" It, it's one of those movies where. Um, I guess trolls just like who initially liked a movie like no fuck it who, who fucking cares about the shin Titanic effect it's a Titanic effect it's for like Titanic uh, Garden yeah, State people, one of the greatest I, soundtracks of that decade I know and, and uh, I I have it um and um uh I honestly think it's the same thing about Napoleon Dynamite like people really turn on that I think that's generally a really funny movie and uh and it sucks because it's like zach braff kind of knows how to shoot the shit out of movies and he's a good director and a good writer and a really good writer and he gets out of this movie okay i watched this the other day 
This movie tore me apart. It did me too. Thank you. Fuck I was me. crying watching this film. I was weeping. People were like giving me shit about it. And the critics were very mixed on it. And I was like, yeah. what movie did you see? Because I thought this was a deeply affecting family now, drama. Now, it is melodramatic. Yeah. It is. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong Not with that. Not if it's well done. Not if it's well done. Now, there are a few moments where there were... Um, a little not necessarily eye rolling because of how convenient something was, but it's kind of like okay, I get what you're trying to do, movie. I get it. I like. I see where you're really trying to pull like you know the heartstrings a little bit, so well. but it does it so well and it's so insanely charming. And, and also, Florence Pugh is playing your lead. So you, okay, so who Florence, at the time was dating the director. Zach Braff. Yeah. yeah. So Florence Pugh in this movie, I I'm going to say it right here and right now, I. I think she deserves a nomination. She's of fantastic. Fucking kind of. incredible in this movie. To be fair, it's like, is there a movie she's not? True. But the, the she gets a star in this, and she has some of the most just gut-wrenching, horribly just sad monologues. Like, there's yeah. this... Uh, so, the story yeah. is that um, she and her uh, fiancé, I forget his name. High school sweetheart, Nathan Adams. Nathan, uh, yeah. Yeah, who was played by Chinaza Uche. He's yeah. not in the film for very long. But he's great in it. Um, I mean, everyone in it is great. Um, so anyway, they're they're going to get married. And so the next day after they have a little wedding or party sort of thing, or, or engagement party. Yeah. Um, and she's driving her soon-to-be um, uh, brother sister, and sister-in-law, brother and sister-in-law uh, to try on dresses, uh, wedding dresses. And uh, she looks at her phone. Literally glances at her phone. Glances at her phone for maps. And she gets in a horrible car wreck. And both of them die. And Florence Pugh survives. Yeah. So it's like one year later. And she's in a super dark place. Have, have you have you seen uh, uh, the show Dope Sick? Well, buckle up. Uh, she's living with her mom, uh, played by Molly Shannon, who's who, great. Who's great, but in her, uh, in her own way is kind of fucked up. You know, I she's mean, a not, drunkish. Yeah, she's sort a, of. kind of a drunk, but she's not like a she's not a bad person, Mm-mm. right? She's not drunk to the point. She's drunk to the point where she probably ruined a lot of opportunities she had in her own life. But Everyone is, not, you know. A good, a good person. person. Yeah, there you go. uh, meanwhile, <laughs> um, so uh, Nathan's, dad. Nathan's uh, ex-cop father is played by Morgan Freeman, who is was really uh, estranged from him. Uh, like they did not have a relationship, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's taking care of the granddaughter, uh, who's a teenager, who is being difficult because, of course, her, parents, know, her parents were parents, the ones who died. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, Allison... Florence Pugh's character is really trying anything she can to just keep from killing herself, basically. Because she's on like, oxy. Trying to get, yeah, more and more oxy. Like, she, like they stop giving it to her and she'll do, realizes she's going to do whatever it takes to get more. But she finally goes, okay, I'm going to join a therapy group. Daniel Morgan Oh, she Freeman's, goes to NA. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's character is one of the people in there. And, like, even though he has expressed specifically, fuck her, like... When, it's her fault when that he, they're dead. Yeah, when he sees her come in, see him, and then run, because he's had decades of living a life that's much better because of N.A., yeah. he chases after her and goes, no, please, please, please come back. Please yeah. come back. And they form kind of a weird friendship 
uh, with this. And yeah. obviously this is not going to go smoothly the whole way because he has very strong feelings for two different things. One, everyone deserves the chance to heal. Right. And two, fuck this girl. That and <laughs> she is also going, of course, through her own demons of guilt and shame. And now a new form of shame of that she's an addict. Yeah. And she was a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical rep beforehand yeah. so she was like a sober person i mean she drank right. and smoked pot yeah, whatever it wasn't doing anything it wasn't doing anything outside of just literally she was totally sober she glanced yeah. at her cell phone a truck pulled in the middle of the road that was it like yeah it was one of those things that could happen to anyone right and you know? and this whole thing happened to her and um and now she is living with this new form of shame that she is an addict and you know, it's not like a, you know, I'm going to, it's not cutesy to where it's like, it, it, where you would think with the Zach Braff, Zach Braff movie where she goes to NA once, it's like, now I'm sober. It's like, no, she relapses quite a few times. Yes. And it is such a harrowing experience. Uh, a performance by Florence Pugh. Like there are moments in this movie um, where she, um, uh, uh, Zoe Lister something, I forget her sponsor's name, the, the actress's name. Um, Zoe Lister Jones. Yeah. She uh, finally tells her like, okay, and you know what? Honestly, you got to buck the fuck up and speak at the next meeting. And that speech, when she explains like what happened to herself, that fucking destroyed me. Yeah. I was just crying so much. And like, there's another scene towards the end of the movie where she's talking to Nathan again about their relationship. Cause they, they broke up uh, after uh, the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law died. And, um, and then her sort of trying to reconcile with their relationship that they used to have that whole dialogue between the two of them, man, that, that fucking destroyed me. Yeah. Like it was, it, it's so well performed and so well written. And it's so, sh- I don't understand other than that. I guess people just have it out for Zach Braff that they think he's just too schmaltzy. Cause this out. is heavy shit. I, I even like the, I forget the name of it. The one he did between these that like nobody even talked about. I was like, this was pretty good. Oh, and, and to the wonder reviews. or wonder or something like that. Some, I, forget, yeah, I forget what But this is. one's only 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is crazy. It's insane. I'm like, I think you guys have just decided you don't like Zach Braff and you're just like, mm-hmm. no, fuck this shit. I don't like this kind of movie. This is a really good movie. Well directed, well yeah. shot. There's only a few moments where I'm just like, okay, calm down. But yeah. uh, I mean, it was very far and few in between. Yeah. Mainly in regards to when she was like really high. Yeah. That there was parts like, okay, you wanted to try something that was, you know, you've probably seen before and just do it. But it Which, wasn't like grading. No, it wasn't grading at all. No, no, none of it was grading. Yeah. And, and man, because I... Cause I and I think she would freely admit this as well. I have a sister that is an addict, but she's been sober for eight plus years now. And, uh, man watching this, I, I called her right after the movie and just like wanted to talk to her. Like, I just saw this and I think you should see it at some point because this is pretty heavy hitting and, uh, and way, way more, uh, I guess for me closer to home than I was expecting. Hmm. And, uh, and she was like kind of taken by that. And, I, I told her, I was like, man, there's so many things that she says. It's like, and I, I tried to explain. Right back. Yeah. And I, I told her a few of the things that she ends up doing in the movie. And she's like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. I know exactly. I said that before and I've been through that too. And I was like, fuck, this is so, 
and it's crazy because Zach Braff wrote this during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I thought, I was like, what the fuck were you going through, dude? Well, like, it's weird. He was basically fl- fucking Florence Pugh. Yeah. He was, he was from for three years. So it was like during the pandemic, that's what Zach Braff was doing. I, he was having sex with Florence Pugh. And yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this mm-hmm. is so fucking heavy and intense. It's like, where did this come it from? It makes me wonder if she was involved in the writing of it. Probably. Quite frankly, because like being that, I mean, clearly he wrote it during that period mm-hmm. and they were like, I don't know if they were living together or not, but they were together. They were exclusive couple. Yeah. So it makes me think, yeah. I mean, her performance is flawless here. It's just it's great. Like, top notch. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Okay. So this was kind of written for her. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and she really gets to stretch a lot of different, uh, like muscles out uh, quite a bit from like she gets to sing in the movie yeah. and um but like forgot about that yeah, yeah. um but man it's just a, such a stellar performance by her and morgan freeman what you find out more and more about him and his his past is equally as heartbreaking yeah and he delivers a typically great morgan freeman like elder wise man type performance until he has points that he gets to break that mm-hmm. and do something a little a little harder a little more complicated and difficult and i he sells it like we rarely get morgan freeman like oh let's see you at a low point yeah here emotionally and like and we really get to see him try some stuff that's a little bit outside of his wheelhouse and yeah off. so it if it, it i mean no, i i know this is going to sound like wait what the fuck did you just say it's like wow it's really fun to see him in a movie that he's like acting in <laughs> uh and you know and you know what i'm talking about like because he's done a, also sorry he does a lot of movies he's done a lot of shit he could do in his sleep he could do in his sleep yeah. and uh but to see him in a movie that he's really like acting the shit out of it again yeah. was really such a breath of fresh air and like you're saying to see him at those like kind of lower points of an addict addict as well yeah and then him kind of lashing out i was like wow i can't it, it like it's seeing because florence Pugh is just such a gifted actress and to see these like oddly in a way two juggernauts just like battle it out in this movie, just like Richard Harris, no more. I still remember we saw uh, <laughs> very early on when Lady Macbeth, her first big, her first real film came out with Lawrence Pugh playing the lead role, like uh, with the Michael Fassbender movie. Wait, wait, no, that's Mac- Macbeth. It was or the Scottish play. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a film called Lady Macbeth. She's not playing Lady Macbeth, oh. but it was called that. Um, oh, incredible. And we saw it like at the tiny little theater in a press screen in the morning. Nobody was talking about this thing. There was only one or two other people there because huh. nobody knew who she was. Nobody knew what the movie was. And we were like, God fucking damn. That was incredible. And that actress, she's like, what? She was like 17 or something. And we're like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. She's like this fucking force of nature. And we're all like, she's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. Like if, if, if she has a good agent, she's going to be the next big thing. She's, she's so, the spoiler. She had a good agent. Yeah. <laughs> she's incredibly charming. Yeah. Like the fact that she's not in a movie with like Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Right now, and they should be playing sisters who go out and cause trouble. Oh my god! You know that'd be so much fun. It's <laughs> like we liked No Hard Feelings quite a bit, yeah. and like to see them in a comedy. I was just mixed up. I, I liked it a lot, uh, but I mean, I just love Jennifer Lawrence. Like, she, she's so much fun. Um, man, it's just yeah. She she carries the fuck out of this movie, and to play against one of the most like well-renowned and legendary actors mm-hmm. and then hold her own in some of these scenes. I'm just, just like, emotion, she's, she's emotion. acting 
more than Freeman is. The connection that the two of them have, the chemistry, yeah. that is exactly what it should be complicated and yet fireworks are just going off Mm -hmm. you know you're just like yeah this is a complicated love-hate relationship between these two characters and it sells it and there's like a sort of end post scene that involves his train set a big thing is like his train set i swear to god i just bawled like a fucking baby man it's it's (laughs) uh it's it's rough and um you know um man i uh it's one of the few movies and uh, or stories that either on you know TV or movies that is um, also a really delicate and um, I would say adult view of addiction. Wait, we're talking about sphere, right? Of course. What else we fucking <laughs> talked about? Well, this has been the sphere episode of Digital. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Phantasm, uh, <laughs> an actually good movie. Oh come on! Yes, Phantasm is an actually good. Movie. I've never seen any of them. It's fucking great. Isn't the there like eighteen of them? Are spec? No, there's like five. Oh, okay. yeah, whatever. The first two are spectacular, like so good. In fact, two is the best one. Like it's so great and brilliant and groundbreaking and surreal and neat. Three is still pretty damn good. Four is not great. Five is dog shit. <laughs> I don't know who you're trying to convince here, but uh, oh, we're talking about sphere, right? <laughs> uh, we need to pick a, a a film of the week, and this that's is difficult. really hard. I mean, my man I, I, man, I I would lean towards either Samurai Wolf one and two or Joy House myself, partially because oh really, partially because the they both have some real solid bonus features built into them as well. Oh, and sure. they're both good like uh, oh, re-releases no. of them. Um, no. like whereas there's almost nothing on some of the other ones we liked, you know, like even a good person has zero bonus features on it. Yeah, like, and like nothing. At least Great Train Robbery has the audio commentary by Matt Crichton, but like but that's but it's an older commentary. It's been on three previously oh, shit. editions of it. You know, I mean the bonus features in Samurai Wolf one and two are pretty. Good. Yeah, actually, all these movies have like dick on yeah. on their not a bonus lot of features. That has the best ones, but it's about the balance between things. And I'm like, I don't know which one to pick. I, mean, I Joy House has some decent extra stuff on oh, it, man. like as well, which is why I was putting that into com- like. Plus, it's like such a that and Samurai Wolf are both hidden gem movies that you're like, yeah, you know, both of them people should like probably don't know about and they should. You know, okay, here, here's but what I'm gonna leave say. it up to you. Here's what I'll say. I think that the man, this sucks because I know you're gonna put it on the website. Um, I think that the hit the the best hidden gem out of all this, at least for myself, was the Great Train Robbery. Okay, and uh, with a close second by oh, man, there's a lot of good movies in this. I know, with a good, good person in Joy House mm-hmm. and Juggernaut, and uh, what else we got? <laughs> uh, but uh, like, I think good good person. I think overall was like the most feels that I had mm-hmm. through all of it. But it also nothing nothing on it. Yeah. But a uh, Great Train Robbery at least has the commentary by Michael Crichton. He's probably complaining about his height. And, um, and, uh, but like, that's such a fucking blast of a movie. But if you're going to say balance overall from movie to the special features, then I'd probably have to go with Joy House. Okay. We're going with Joy House then. Boo. Uh, <laughs> immediately you regretted. I don't know. Decision. I'm just like. I want everyone to watch like yes. Juggernaut, well, Great Train they Robbery. Don't just look at the sidebar of the site to make their decision. Right? I think that's all they do. Yeah, no. no, well, that's what I do. Anytime you do one with John, it's like fuck that. I'm gonna watch the rest of the shit. What I want to say I'm just gonna watch the whatever bullshit Dude, movie John he says. Makes, good. John makes weird choices for pick of the week. I'm just oh really? Say. Like I like I disagree with him more than I do with. You. I guess I should really listen to this show sometime. <laughs> sometime, <laughs> as should you all. And there will be a quiz later. Oh gosh, it's about sphere. Yeah. <laughs>